Ladies and gentlemen, the Brit Pack is back. Simon Head from Rochester in the UK, Chamaka Sandy from Toronto in Canada, and the final big weekend of fights of 2021 is now in the rearview mirror. But boy, we had a lot that went on, a lot to talk about. It was a packed weekend of, of combat sports. And Sandu, I don't know where we start. There's so much going on, but we had boxing, we had MMA, we had, well, we had MMA in Europe, we had MMA in the States, but we've got to talk about the, the boxing, Jake Paul and Tyron Woodley again. But first off, before we launch into that, how's your week been? You all ready for Christmas? How are things looking? I certainly am. Wrapped up my final shift of BT Sport over the weekend. I'm now off for a good couple of weeks and I plan on doing nothing but watching TV, eating, drinking, spending time with friends and family, and just hitting the reset button, kind of decompressing a little bit. You know, like I think hardcore fans are probably the only ones that can perhaps um, somewhat, um, I guess, sympathize a little bit with what people in the in work in the industry kind of go through because it's a relentless schedule. I mean, it, it's, it's kind of like, you know, the blessing and the curse in many ways working in this business, because there's plenty of work, there's fights on every weekend. I think me and the, the lads at BT sport, we actually worked out that we covered 41 of the 42 UFC events this year live. And the one event that we didn't cover live and we just kind of picked up um, the following day on the Sunday was because the entire UFC squad was busy working Fury World 3. <laughs> so we were still working a live combat sports event. It was just all hands were on, on that deck in terms yeah. of giving it giving it the, the full push because it was on BT Sport box office. So it meant we had to sacrifice covering that UFC event. Alive. But 41 out of 42. And like I said, it's literally like every single weekend – we love it. This is what we signed up for. But boy, am I glad that I can just relax for a good number of weeks before things gear up again next year. So when you get to Christmas Day, you've got your dinner in front of you. I don't know what your Christmas dinner is going to look like, whether it's the traditional turkey and trimmings that we have in England or whether you're going a slightly different route. And you're pouring yourself out a drink on Christmas Day. What's the drink going to be, Sandy? What are you going to have? It's usually a vodka soda with, with, with the, my father-in-law, and, and then that will turn into maybe a couple of whiskeys later on um, in, in the night. But yeah, the vodka sodas throughout the day, we don't do the traditional kind of Christmas you know, turkey or any of that kind of stuff. We kind of just figure it out a couple of days before in terms of what, what, what the family feels like eating. But it's usually lots of finger foods, and it's like home, hearty, and warm kind of food to, to eat throughout the day, and lots of lots of booze and I'm sure around about four o'clock in the afternoon, five o'clock in the afternoon, we'll watch Home Alone. And then we'll break for some more food and, and alcohol. And then later on at night, around about 10 o'clock, it's die hard. So I just, I just make sure that we get in Home Alone and get in die hard at the appropriate times throughout the day. That's my job. Awesome. Awesome. I'm a bit more predictable. I, I'm, we're, we're turkey and all the trimmings at this end. And it's just beer all the way, right? I've got I've got beers various lined up in the house. I was very upset. My Tesco grocery delivery came yesterday. It did not have the crate of Guinness that I ordered. I am now going to have to go out and purchase some Guinness from a shop um, from somewhere. Hopefully there isn't a complete shortage of the black stuff because you need some of that over the course of a Guinness so over the course of a Guinness weekend, over the course of a Christmas weekend. So I need to get some of that in. But yeah, no, it's... 
I just fill myself up with with turkey. I don't care with the people who say turkey's dry and you should have something different. He said, I don't care. I put half a ton of bread sauce on it anyway and a load of gravy. It doesn't matter. It's not dry when I eat it. But no, I am buzzing for Christmas this year. I'm buzzing for the start of next year. Good things are around the corner and we've had an incredible year in 2021. But Sandu, let's talk about one of the men of the year in terms of combat sports, whether people like that statement or not. I think it's impossible to deny it. Jake Paul has been one of the stories of 2021. If you take a look at the combat sports year as a whole, he's been described in some circles as disrupting the combat sports world. And I think that's, I think that's an accurate phrase. He's come in. You take a look at what he's done. He is in the realm of professional boxing, although he isn't fighting professional boxers. He's now amassed a five and O professional record, six and O overall. If you take the, uh, the one amateur fight that he had uh, earlier. And he's making millions and millions of dollars doing so. And by all accounts, whether this is good PR or whether this is just pure facts, he's making his opponents a fair few bucks as well. So the way this is all going, this is a, this is a unique case in combat sports. He's not fighting to win a world title. He's not fighting to be a part of a major MMA organization. He is his own little ecosystem and he's been incredibly successful with it. The biggest thing within that ecosystem happened this past weekend. He fought Tyron Woodley in a rematch. It was going to be Tommy Fury. Tommy Fury sustained an injury a week or two out from the fight. They drafted in Tyron Woodley, who obviously wasn't fully trained for the fight, but was in decent shape. Went in there and got absolutely slept. A huge knockout. Huge knockout from Jake Paul. There is no denying the man's punch power. Um, and uh, when Tyron Woodley just leaves his chin out there like that and Jake sees it, bang, lands, knockout, unbelievable stuff. Give us your reaction because I didn't watch this live. I woke up Sunday morning and absorbed all of the reaction on social media. And, you know, he is a polarizing character, Jake Paul. But what you have to, what you have to give credit for is he's getting in there with other combat sports athletes. He's holding his own and he's winning. And that Tyron Woodley fight, he absolutely murdered the guy. So, you know, and this is a former UFC champion, a washed up former UFC champion. Yeah, probably. But still a former UFC champion. And he absolutely slept him. So what was your reaction when you saw what happened on Saturday? There's just so much to unpack in this whole situation, Simon. Let's just start with the initial fight. It was supposed to be Tommy Fury. It was going to be on BT Sport box office. Fury pulls out due to injury. I don't even know. What network ended up picking up this fight in the UK? Because it certainly wasn't on BT Sport. Fight TV, I think it was on. There you go, it was on Fight TV. Yeah. So that's a show. And then when I was sort of monitoring the, the build up, the hype leading into the fight, the promotion, looking at some of the numbers, with Woodley being drafted in, it just wasn't there. The, it, there wasn't a hype. People were not interested. Every time I put something out, people were boo booing it. Like the first time around, there was a lot of hype. People were like, wow, Woodley's going to get his his flowers. He's going to be the one to actually be the guy to knock out Jake Paul. And then I think with the how that fight played out and the fact that, you know, Woodley was coming in on short notice as a, as a last minute replacement, it, it just, it didn't capture the imagination of the, the mainstream casual audience like he did the first time around. So that was kind of like the setup going in. And for me, I was like, all right, look, 
you know, the UFC event's going to be wrapped up by then. I'm going to close my laptop and be done with my shift for BT Sport. And even if you are just a fan watching, it kind of time time wise worked out perfectly because the UFC was on a little bit earlier. So if you were even interested in, in tuning into the Jake Paul fight, there wasn't going to be a schedule of conflict there whatsoever. The UFC was done and dusted by that point. The fight starts, Simon. Uh, as each round commences, I am bored. I am bored out of my mind. I think the general consensus when I looked at social media was people were just like really hating on this fight because it was literally a lot of just like jab, clinch, jab, clinch, one, two, clinch. And from both guys, it wasn't it wasn't just Woodley. It was Jake Paul as well. And then there was a moment where Woodley inadvertently elbowed Jake Paul, gave him a nasty cut uh, on his forehead. And then at another point during the fight, I think in the fourth or fifth round, Woodley kind of, I guess, reverted to his general senses of being a mixed martial artist and inadvertently once again took down Jake Paul. And then at that point, it's, it's becoming a bit of a laughing stock. I'm watching this. I'm like, what the hell's going on? It's not entertaining. This is not going to be good for, you know, Woodley's at the end of his career. Jake Paul's trying to build himself and make sure every time he's out there, he's delivering and is able to build momentum and jump from one big fight to the next big fight to the next big event things of that nature. And I'm thinking, wow, this could be a bit of a, a nail in the coffin for the Jake Paul story because this fight is not playing out well whatsoever. And then, Simon, in that sixth round, Jake Paul lands one powerful, clean, brutal punch. Tyron Woodley face plants into the canvas. My jaw is dropping to the ground can't believe what's just happened. And Jake Paul has pretty much from that one punch alone, Simon, just become I mean, he was already he's already a star. He was already a proven draw in the world of boxing. But now he's just shot himself to another level because he has got what he's needed. And that's a legitimate highlight reel knockout that's been going viral for the last couple of days. It's literally put him in a situation where people are probably now going to start to take him a little bit more seriously, considering this is only his, what, fifth professional fight. He's taken on a former UFC champion. And again, to casual fans, to mainstream fans, that's going to definitely mean a lot. And it means something to us too, to see someone that was once a UFC champion get brutally knocked out like that, given the fact that he himself has knockout power. And we've seen that when you look back down his resume, it's uh, it's a shame to see Woodley in a situation like this, and obviously I'm so happy that he was able to be uh, get get to his feet and walk around, and, and you know he he came to the post fight press conference, so his faculties seem to be fine. But wow, Jake Paul Simon is now a massive draw, a super money fight for his opponents going into 2022, and I think the biggest wrinkle in all of this, I didn't even realize this until I heard our good friend Ariel Holwani discussed this on his post-fight show on Spotify Green Room. That was Jake Paul's final fight of his Showtime contract. Jake Paul is a free agent heading into 2022, coming off a one of the knockouts of the year. So my goodness, is he in prime position to cash in right now? And you could just see boxers, legends, you know, MMA fighters, everybody wants to get that Jake Paul fight because it's a big money fight. And, you know, Woodley got knocked down, but he also got paid. 
that's it. And you talk about everyone wants to wants wants to get that fight. That's the big question. Well, it's two questions, isn't it? One, who's going to get that big fight? But perhaps a bigger question is, what direction does Jake Paul take next? Because he was going to face Tommy Fury. At the moment, he's racked up five professional wins, none of which again have come against a professional boxer. Right, he's faced he's faced a couple of YouTubers. He's faced a he's faced a he's faced a basketball player. He's faced two UFC fighters. He's five and zero, oh. six and zero, oh, as I say, if you include his amateur fight with uh, with uh, an Eastern Gibb uh, at the very start. He's making good money. He's 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 absolutely filling the coffers right now. He has no financial need to start jumping in there with, with professional boxers if he does not want to, and if he wants a nice, straightforward non-boxing opponent one broke from the pack the day after former nfl i say former nfl running back he is an nfl running back uh Le'Veon bell who a few years ago was one of the best running backs in the nfl he's currently a free agent he got released by the baltimore ravens earlier this season he tweeted straight after said jake paul fight me stop trying to fight people who can't box bit of a diss and tyron woody there but you know if the cap fits i'm tired of watching him outbox people who don't even want to box he said if you want a boxing match, a real one, he'd fight me, period. Stop fighting small dudes who can't box. He won't, though, because I'm 29. I'm actually his size. I have an athletic background, and I've been boxing just as long as he has. That is a guy who maybe over on my side of the pond is not a particularly huge name, unless you're really into your NFL. Le'Veon Bell is a big name in the world of uh, American sport. At least he has been over the last few years. His NFL career has kind of fallen off, which I guess is why he's calling out Jake Paul. But that would be a that would be a decent money fight. Um, there was an NFL running back, uh, former NFL running back Frank Gore, who will be an NFL Hall of Famer. He he boxed on the card on Saturday night uh, against an uh, NBA player, uh, Darren Williams, and that apparently was 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 the best fight in the night. That was a heavyweight fight. It was only a four rounder, and uh, Gore lost that by split decision. But that. That's uh, the sign that, you know, there are people out there from other sports who are, who are happy to get in there and fight. And uh, that might be an option for him. But there's the Tommy Fury fight, Sandy. That's the one. To me, that would be the easiest one to pick up. But I just wanted to mention that Le'Veon Bell thing because he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to take on a boxer. I think for us in the sports world who cover sport for a living, we want to see Jake Paul in there with a legit boxer. Or we want to see Jake Paul in there with an elite, active, world-class mixed martial artist. The problem with that is getting them out of their contract to do that. So we, we aren't likely to see that. But an elite professional boxer or, a, you know, a decent level professional boxer is certainly something he could do. But it's a bit like Hotel California, I think. If he jumps into the professional boxing ranks proper, it's going to be very difficult for him to jump back out again. The drawbridge will go up behind him and he will then be judged very harshly through the prism of what is required to become an elite professional boxer, which he isn't. He's a hardworking athletic man who has gone in there and beaten a load of similarly amateurish boxers who don't box, you know, guys from other sports. Um, if he goes in there with a, with a set of professional boxers, that's the next level test for him. So does he want to just keep building bank? Does he want to actually go in there with professional boxers? He's been talking about he wants to fight Canelo, which from a sporting standpoint is ludicrous. But he's he said he claims he's the number two earner um, in the sport. 
The number one earner in the sport is Canelo. Um, I don't know whether he's the number two earner. I think there's probably a couple of British heavyweights might have something to say about that. But certainly in that sort of weight range, that that from a financial standpoint, they 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 might be one and two. And boxing's a strange business. Who knows? You know, we, we might even see that one day. So if you if you were sitting there, whether you're you're head of Sandu Promotions and you've got the the new contract for Jake Paul for 2022, and you're booking his first fight. Who'd you book him against, Sandy? Because the way I see this, there are definitely options out there, and we can probably discuss a few of them. There's definitely options. I mean, the Tommy Fury one still makes a lot of sense for me because it's going to get garner a lot of attention in the UK. It's going to do well on box office in the UK. It'll, it'll obviously become more of a global event in that case. When you have a Fury on the resume, you have you know, your Tyson Fury and your John Fury is involved as part of the promotion. And the fact that they've already done a little bit of build up with their press conferences, there's already a story there. Um, so it kind of feels like that could be a potential option. But personally, Simon, I feel like the MMA route is the route he has to stick to just for the from a business point of view. Not just actually not just from a business point of view, from a competitive point of view. I mean, this is why he's been able to be so successful against Woodley. Woodley isn't a boxer. You know, yes, boxing is a part of mixed martial arts, but boxing is a completely different sport. Jake Paul has been 100% all in on boxing for a good few years now. And when you take away the bravado, when you take away the kind of public persona of him just being this kind of YouTuber, this content creator, he's kind of like a walking, talking, real-life meme. Behind the scenes, though, he's putting in the work. Yeah. You know, and you have to give him credit for that. And he's also got the resources to get the best, best trainers and nutritionists. And, you know, I'm sure he's eating the best food and, you know, he's getting massages daily and he's, you know, making sure his prep work is absolutely on point. And it was very telling that in his post-fight interview, he dropped Jorge Mazadal's name. He dropped Nate Diaz's name. We know that Nate Diaz's final fight of his UFC contract is coming up. And it could be in January, it could be in February. Let's be honest, it looks like Dana White's interested in making that Dustin Poirier fight. Maybe we get that at some point in Q1. I know Nate really wanted a fight on that January card because it was in Anaheim, it's in California. What a great send-off that would have been for Nate Diaz if that is to be, that would have been his last fight uh, in the UFC. But the Nate Diaz fight seems like the one to wait for if I'm, if I'm Jake Paul. Because Nate Diaz, let's be honest, is one of the biggest draws in UFC history, part of you know some of the biggest pay-per-views period, top five with those Conor McGregor fights, right? Jake Paul is essentially almost like a variant Conor McGregor, and I feel like him and Nate Diaz could do some pretty big business. I mean, I think a Jake Paul Nate Diaz fight does a, approximately a, in the in the ballpark of a million pay-per-view buys, maybe if not more, promoted properly, especially with Jake Paul coming off this incredible knockout, and especially when you've put in the whole story of, wow, Nate Diaz is no longer a UFC fighter. What's he going to do in, in the free market? What's he going to do in his first professional boxing fight? So there's also the idea of Anderson Silva out there, who's a free agent and also been boxing, and he's actually the bookie's favorite currently to, to secure the next uh, fight with Jake Paul. I think that's a little bit more risky uh, for Jake Paul, if I'm being honest with you. Anderson Silva's actually got some legitimate boxing experience, some recent uh, boxing experience. So, Simon, to answer your question, if I'm Jake Paul, I now sit back as a free agent and I start speaking to the various networks and trying to secure the biggest deal possible. And he's obviously got 
you know, all the chips in front of him to push in. And I would, if I'm him, wait to see how this Nate Diaz situation plays out with the UFC. Behind that, Simon, Conor McGregor has openly put it out there. He's got two fights left with the UFC. I cannot foresee the UFC not being in the Conor McGregor business one way or the other, but stranger things have happened. And I feel like the world in boxing and crossover fights is really starting to open a lot of eyes in terms of how much money you can potentially earn. And, you know, if Nate Diaz is going to be the first first of the real big stars of the UFC to break away and still in his fighting prime, uh, you know, secure some of these big paydays in boxing, I'm sure Conor McGregor would be like, well, if that's what Nate Diaz can do, what can I potentially do? So a lot of big things happening in the world of boxing, specifically when you're on the Jake Paul business. And 2022 is going to be huge. To answer your question one final time, Simon, I, I, if I'm Jake Paul, I sit back, I wait, and get the Nick Diaz fight, hopefully, in the summer of 2022. I think business-wise, that is the call. I do think that is the call. Um, I think from a, a career standpoint, I also think that is probably the call as well. I think Tommy Fury, if you're looking to get brownie points with the boxing media Tommy Fury is a great a great opponent because he's a professional boxer if you want to build your build your audience in the UK that is a great option I don't think it sells in America though I'll be honest because no one knows Tommy Fury from 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 the next guy in the states with all due respect to Tom right what he has is the same surname as the undisputed or yeah almost the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world so um I think that's the only thing really that makes Tommy Fury a viable opponent. If his name was Tommy Smith, we wouldn't be talking about this fight. Right. So I think that's, that that's the reality of that. It will sell in England. I don't think it will do too much stateside. I think the Woodley fight probably helped the pay-per-views in America and did not help it at all in the UK. So I think it's kind of a trade-off. Anderson Silva, I think if you're looking to face somebody the right weight, someone who's actually the right weight, somebody of a similar level of experience when it comes to pro boxing. Anderson Silva is the fight to make, I believe. I think if if someone else is booking the fights, that's the fight you book based on the career trajectory. If this was under some sort of UFC promotional banner where the fights are, are virtually made for you, that's the fight you make, right? If they're both under your banner, they're both doing what they're doing, they're the same size pretty much, Put them in together, you've got yourself a good matchup. Nate Diaz is a 170-pound fighter, used to fight at 155 pounds. Jake Paul steps through the ropes, he's weighing 200, right? So, you know, he weighs 180-something. When he, I think 188, I think, wasn't it? They they, they weighed in at. So, and he, he, he'll step through the ropes at sort of 195, 200 pounds. That's a big difference. And I think we saw that difference against Tyron both times. You know, he's, he was bigger than Tyron. I mean, Tyron's a big muscular guy, but he's not tall. And he's not got particularly, uh, you know, he, he's kind of he's, he's short for the he's short for his own weight class. Um, so I think some, facing somebody in the right weight class, I think Anderson Silva would be the fight to make. But Nate Diaz, I think, makes the most sense. He's the most bankable p- opponent that might be feasible. I think if you're the UFC and you're Nate Diaz, you get round a table. You say, look, Nate, I understand you might want this fight. If we give you this fight, we also want five UFC fights. You know, so you're locking down to five UFC fights on like consecutively on proviso that he can fight Jake Paul in Q1 2023. 
Oh, sorry, 2022. Um, that, I think, means that the business gets done. Nate Diaz, he's not going to get starched like Tyron Woodley got starched because he doesn't, right? Even if he gets beat up, that's not going to massively affect the UFC's brand in terms of their divisions because Nate Diaz doesn't have that standing in, 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 in the various weight classes. So I think they can kind of take a punt on that. He'll still come back to the UFC as a draw. The Conor McGregor fights are still there. That's all great. As for Conor, have you seen the size of him on social media lately? He's a big boy. He has been bulking up for the festive period. And I don't mean the sort of bulking up that I'm doing right now. I'm talking about like actual lean muscle. He looks an absolute unit. Um, but he would be significantly undersized against Jake Paul. From a bankable uh, perspective, it's huge. That is the biggest non-boxing boxing match you could book. I don't know whether they could, you know, whether they could do it. I don't know whether Dana would want to go back into that sort of circus because it would be every bit as much of a circus as the Floyd Mayweather fight was, if not more so. So I don't know. I don't know. Um, if that fight got made, though, it would be utterly crazy. But Jake Paul would have a huge size and power advantage over Conor McGregor, um, even though Conor will have the more refined skills. So all sorts of options. I think you're right, though. I think the Diaz option is probably, probably the best one moving forward. But we need Nate Diaz on a new UFC contract. We need him in there with Dustin Poirier. We need him in there with Conor McGregor in the middle of, middle of the back end of this coming year. There's so many good fights potentially out there. We now want to see them getting made. We've had a really strong year with the UFC in 2021. Now let's see those big fights get made in 2022. But yeah, huge, huge year for Jake Paul. Um, and... Uh, you know, you've got to tip your hat to the man for creating a, almost a mini industry for himself within sort of in that in that sort of gap between uh, MMA and professional boxing. He's kind of carved his own niche. So all due respect to him. But um, that was probably the biggest sort of headline grabber of the weekend. We did have a UFC card, the final UFC card of 2021. And it's it's another we say this almost every time the UFC puts on a, a fight night card at the apex, and you look at the card, you think, yeah, there's some decent stuff on there, but the fights just seem to just del- I don't know what it is about this year, or whether it's something in the apex, whether they put something in the aircon, I don't know what it is. They all deliver, like all those apex fight fight nights deliver. Just three decisions out of thirteen fights on Saturday, Sandy. Ten finishes, seven KOs, three subs, and Derek Lewis becomes the man with the most knockouts in UFC history in the main event. He KOs Chris Dawkins inside a round. Derek Lewis doing Derek Lewis things, Sandu. 13 knockouts in UFC history. Derek Lewis, the Black Beast, is the all-time knockout leader. And doesn't he think he's, you know, probably on his way out? You know, he has that massive opportunity against Cyril Gant to become interim champion. He's up against a massive prospect in the heavyweight division in Chris Dawkins. He does it again, Simon. You know, he delivers a, a great knockout. He's headlining a fight night card. He closes the show for the UFC, does the t- signature Derek Lewis post-fight celebration. He's He then reaches for his cup, throws it into the crowd. I mean, this is just great. This is, this is what you get, de- get with Derek Lewis. You get you normally get a knockout or a wild fight, and then you get some comedy. He's, he, he, he gets his cup, and he throws it into the crowd some some guy catches it probably his chucked on ebay um and he's then he's too it... happy to have that cup as well by the way yeah like, what are you gonna do with it yeah like, what are you gonna do with that classic 
Um, so he throws a cup out there. Then, in his uh, post-fight interview, as obviously uh, Bisping's trying to lay him up for, hey, what's next? Who do you want to call out? You know, are you up for another title shot and all that kind of business? He basically says, hey, listen, keep me out of these five-round fights. Keep me on these three-round fights. Give me a co-main three-rounder or something like that. And then he doubles down, doubles down, double downs on that in the post-fight press conference by just saying, hey, listen, man, I don't want to be training for a five-round fight. Again, listen, we all know that Derek Lewis would absolutely sign on the dotted line for a title shot immediately. But um, the fact that he can play this, be entertaining, he's a fan favorite. He's so, he endears himself to the fan base in a very unique way. And then on top of that, he's a really good heavyweight to have in the UFC right now because he's action. He's always action-packed. And, um, yeah, and, and I'm looking for big things. And, again, maybe this is the beginning of another run in 2022. And, look, the UFC are not working well with Francis Ngannou right now, okay? Cyril Gann could become the UFC heavyweight champion in exactly a month from now. And they're going to need contenders one way or another. Even, even, to be honest with you, even the Francis Ngannou-Derek Lewis rematch is still something they could definitely work on down the line. Just because I know both men would want to, you know, put to bed the, um, the first encounter. And if Derek Lewis can continue this run of form that he seems to show, why not? Derek Lewis can still absolutely be fighting for a world championship at some point in 2022. But yeah, he done it again, Simon. The Black Beast done delivered the goods. Yeah, yeah, and he, I had the pleasure of his company in in Zagreb, Croatia, when he fought over there. And the man is genuinely hilarious. He, he's just one of the funniest people in the sport. And uh, to see him going in there and doing what he does, like Chris Dawkins fought a very smart fight early on. He was kind of just sticking and moving, not presenting a static target. But all the while, you could just see Lewis just inching forward almost imperceptibly. You know, it was, it was very, very, very subtle the way he was just slowly closing in the distance. And before you knew it, Dorcas was up against the fence and in trouble. And at one point, I think Dorcas decided, right, I'm going to just throw a few shots here and chance my arm. And they got caught in an exchange. And then Lewis just, just teed off and that was it. And you don't want to get hit by that man. He is absolutely terrifying. And you take a look at that heavyweight division, Sandu. You know, Francis Ngannou is the champion. He's got to face his old teammate, Cyril Gunn, yeah. early in 2022. There are two other men in the division who have, who have beaten him. Stipe Miocic and Derek Lewis. You know, as terrible of a fight as it was, Derek Lewis did win that fight. So Derek Lewis is arguably only a win away. If he fights Stipe, I don't think Stipe would want to fight Derek Lewis. But if they got Derek Lewis and Stipe Miocic to face off, the winner mm. of that fight would be next in line. Absolutely. So, you know, the Curtis Blades fight would be utterly pointless for Derek at this point. Derek starched him last time out. Alexander Volkov, he knocked out Alexander Volkov. So, you know, that's all of the top five, you know. It's, uh, it's, it's hard to know who Derek Lewis is going to face next. Are they going to make him face another up-and-coming contender? Are they going to give him someone like Tom Aspinall next? You know, who knows? I mean, the heavyweight division is a weird one. You take a look at that. You take a look at the ranking, Sandu, and... Curtis Blades is an out-and-out -out wrestler who's dominant. Derek Lewis is an out-and-out -out striker who is pretty dominant. And then from five down to nine, you've got a group of... Sorry, if you take Chris Dorcas out of it, because obviously he's just lost. But you've got Volkov, Rosenstroik, Abdurakimov, and Tabura. These are all guys that have been, been around a little bit 
have yeah. kind of had their shot at getting to the top and haven't made it. So you've almost got like a clutch of gatekeepers there. And you had two young contenders in Dorcas and Aspinall who were considered like the two guys who might be able to break into the top contention. Dorcas has had his first go and has fallen short. He'll come again. Absolutely. He's a tough guy. I think all eyes are on Tom Aspinall now. I really do. I think if the UFC wants a new, fresh contender, someone just to shake things up a little bit at the top of the division, that's your man right there, Tom Aspinall. He's listed 10th right now. Um, I'm sure he'll get a fight on the March 19th. Is it March 18th? March 19th card in London, which is still yet to be confirmed, but it's pretty much going to happen. Cage Warriors have booked their traditional Friday night show the day before that. So, um, so it's all it's all looking pretty good. It's all looking pretty good. Tom Aspinall needs to be on that card, and he needs to be in a meaningful matchup. Someone like Rosenstruck, someone like Volkov, someone like Abdurakimov. So, wins against one of them, boom, he's up there. And you never know; we might see him sharing a cage with Derek Lewis. But so good seeing Lewis up there. He's such a top bloke, and uh, you know he's fun to watch. You know, it's such a tough, hard sport. But seeing fun, fun people doing doing good things is, is always a good thing. But that was the main event. First round KO, absolutely brilliant. Co-main event, Sandu. Talked about it on last week's show. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, I described him potentially as finding himself as the trickiest gatekeeper in the UFC. Well, Bilal Mohammed just handled him for three rounds and fought the absolute perfect game plan to beat Wonderboy Thompson. I think that fight would look very different in a big cage, but it wasn't. It was in the apex in a small cage. And Bilal just fought perfectly, absolutely perfectly. Closed the distance, took him down, dominated him on, on the mat. Never really looked that close to finishing him. Threatened once or twice, but was comfortable and was never really in any kind of danger. And now he's up there. And, the, you know, the big question now for him, what do you do with him next? Because welterweight division... He's kind of a strange brew right now. You know, everyone trying to chase down Kamara Wisman. Leon Edwards obviously needs us, needs to get himself a shot. But Bilal Mohammed is now in the mix. And, the, the, you know, the tricky thing now is where would you book him? How would you book him? Because he's a legit contender. He deserves that tag now after the weekend. Listen, you, you get a win over Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. You definitely are in the mix. You're in that kind of top five, top six, you know, uh, situation where you may be a, a one big, one more big win away from potentially fighting for the title. A couple of takeaways for this fight for me, Simon. Number one, I always thought uh, it'd, be, it'd be great if we got Kamaru Usman versus Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. You know, that's the the one top perennial contender that Kamaru Usman hasn't fought yet. Now that I saw how he you know fought against Bilal Muhammad, I would shudder to think what Kamaru Usman would have done given his pedigree as, as a as a wrestler. So it's unfortunate to see Wonderboy in a situation like this where I think he was a real big favourite and I think we both were favouring him to win this fight. But it's a testament to Bilal Mohammed implementing a, a great strategy. That is how you take out and defeat Wonderboy Thompson in MMA. You take the, the, the fight away from a standing situation and take him to the ground. Now, to answer your question, what's next for Bilal Mohammed? Well, he referred to this in his post-fight interview and I also mentioned this on Twitter and I got a bit of backlash, but I kind of stand by it anyway, Simon. Kamar Usman has put it out there that he isn't interested in fighting again until summer of 2022. It's already been a while since Leon Edwards had that fight against Nate Diaz. We've got a potential London card coming up in March. There's history there between Leon Edwards and Bilal Mohamed. 
where unfortunately due to an inadvertent eye poke, it was declared a no contest. I think if and only if Leon Edwards doesn't want to wait again until next summer to compete, I think it would be advantageous of him to take on Bilal Mohamed and especially do it in London for a few different reasons. Number one, it kind of ends the story of the first fight. So we now we get definitive uh, proof in terms of who is the better fighter. We'll, we'll get a, hopefully get a better result and no shenanigans. Number two, with all due respect to Bilal Mohamed, I think this is a very winnable fight for Leon Edwards. Of all the potential fights outside of a, a title fight against Kamar Usman, I think this is the easiest of the options to stay busy, get another result, add more momentum to your story to, to go for a title fight. And to fight in London, to fight in front of UK fans, what would that do for him? What would that do for his story? What would that do to help build more momentum and, and help promote Leon Edwards? We, we all saw what was happening when that UFC card got cancelled right before the pandemic hit. BT Sport put this incredible animated promotion uh, video, video piece out there. Um, and I'm sure there was going to be tons more happening during fight week. And to fight in front of your home fans, fight in front of British fans in a main event slot would have done absolutely wonderfully in Edwards. Well, here's an opportunity to still have that moment. And I think from a UFC perspective, I'm sure that's what they'd want for Leon Edwards too. They want to see his profile raise a little bit higher, um, keep him busy, keep him in the mix. And and finally, why I think Leon Edwards should fight Bilal Mohamed in March in London is there's no guarantees that Kamaru Usman, come summer of 2022, is going to give you the fight that you, you, you've been asking for for a long, long time. There are so many things that can happen. There are so many variables. You, know, you, you never know what can happen in terms of another fighter coming up or coming down in weight or coming up in weight. You know, for Leon Edwards, as meritocracy aside, Simon, and listen, his resume speaks for itself. His win streak speaks for itself. Unfortunately, that is not the only ingredient that the UFC is looking for when it comes to putting on big fights, title fights, pay-per-view level fights. They're looking for blockbuster events, making these events the biggest attraction possible. And I think that's why I, I feel like the, the Leon Edwards, Bilal Mohamed fight can, and most likely, if, I, if I'm being honest, will happen uh, come March of 2022. What do you think? Let me, let me echo that and piggyback onto that. Leon Edwards should be the main event of UFC London in March, right? He is the UFC fighter from these shores who is currently closest to a UFC world title. So, it stands to reason that he should be the top-ranked guy on the card. And the question for that, from that is, who should he face? There are two options, right? Because he's fought Gilbert Burns. So, sorry, he hasn't fought Gilbert Burns. He's fought uh, Vicente Luque. And that's probably the other, the other guy. I don't think Gilbert Burns is going gonna, is gonna to come over to England to face Leon Edwards. I think Gilbert Burns is probably looking elsewhere. Colby Covington, I think, fought too, too, too recently. I think it's either the Jorge Masvidal fight because that has all of the makings of a blockbuster main event. If they can book that fight, that that's my number one choice. That is, and, and Masvidal has come over to London and and, and won in main events in in London in the past. Um, so he, sorry, in 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 the UK in the past. So we've got that. But the Bilal Mohammed fight now he. The rankings as we're looking at them right now, he's listed 10th. He came into the weekend listed 10th. Wonderboy was listed 5th. 
He may well be top five by the time these rankings are, are updated or certainly be much closer to top five. So why not book that fight? You know, as you say, the first fight was very unfortunate in the way it ended. It was an accidental eye poke. Certainly Bilal Mohammed, I think, deserves to have that fight back. Leon Edwards, I think, needs to really state his case even more than he already has. I'm, I'm not saying that he should be made to, but I do think that the way of the world is that he needs to. And the best place for him to do that is in the UK in front of a full house at the O2, hopefully the overwhelming majority of whom will be in his corner cheering him on. And if he were to go in there and get a finish, whether it be against Hoy Masvidal, whether it be against Bilal Mohammed, with the, the crowd on their feet, 15,000 people absolutely going bananas, and for him to grab the microphone, look down the lens and go, Kamara, you know, Kamara Usman, you're next. That is what the UFC needs. They can then clip that, boom, they've got their moment. Because Leon Edwards is not the most vocal person. He's certainly much more vocal now than he was two years ago. But I do still think that he's, he needs to win over the US audience in that regard. I think a big moment like that on home soil with 10, 15,000 fans in his corner, I think is, is will be the thing that finally pushes him over, over the top to get that shot at the title. So, yeah, Bilal Mohammed, I think, is, is certainly a safe booking. You could make that. Bilal will take that fight in a heartbeat. I would still be leaning towards the Masvidal fight if they can make it happen because it's bigger box office. Masvidal is also ranked sixth. So even if Bilal gets a bump in the rankings, it's him and Jorge are going to be pretty close in the rankings. So it's, it's kind of a coin flip. Um, and if the UFC want to put on a blockbuster main event in London, Masvidal's your guy. I suspect they may have other plans for him. I think the, the Colby fight may make more promotional sense for them. So that being the case, Bilal Mohammed make it happen. Yeah, I completely agree with, with your assessment there. And, you know, I think... Jorge Masvidal is in a situation now where I think they're going to, the UFC that is, is probably going to use him in a similar vein to how they've used Nate Diaz in recent years, where yes, Jorge Masvidal isn't close to fighting for a title, but he's still a draw and he's still going to give a nice bump to pay-per-views. I think the, day, the days of Jorge Masvidal fighting on a fight night main event situation, I think that's in the rearview mirror now. I think he's going to be involved in pay-per-views maybe he still gets a cut of you know the pay-per-view even though he's not going to be in a title fight because he got a you know he was very happy with the deal he got when they were negotiating with these um kamara usman fights and you know there is that talk of the ultimate fighter it's a yearly thing now for the ufc they're not going to do it twice a year so if they're going to do, do it once they're going to want to go big and what a, be a better situation than can they have than to have both cold covington and hoya mazda as the coaches that seems like you know it would pr present plenty of drama for the cameras to capture for a reality TV show. And then they can build up that fight to, you know, a, a, a big attraction on the July 4th international fight week card come July of 2022. So I agree. I think that's where Jorge Masdal is probably headed. And obviously, you know, it's a, the Colby Covington fight has been one that people have been looking forward to for a very, very long time. There's history there. Used to be best friends, training partners, you know, the story. So, yeah. Leon Edwards right now, Simon, um, is in a situation where he has to take on one more fight. And I think the Bilal Mohammed fight would make sense. Bilal obviously would jump on an opportunity like that because if he beats Leon Edwards, he takes all his thunder, you know, and then he puts himself into a situation where he's, you know, potentially fight for a title. So I thought Bilal Mohammed done all he had to do. 
It wasn't the prettiest fight, if we're being fair, but he did what he had to do to defeat Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. There's a co-main event on a fight night card, and he made the most of his post-fight interview, which we've talked about this before, and especially me. I've said this time and time again. That is when you really have to drive home what you want and really be the uh, the author of your story in terms of promotionally how the, the UFC and the fans look at you. Yeah, absolutely. And huge night for him. And I think, you know, you said it wasn't the prettiest. I think to beat Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, to be honest, it probably isn't going to be pretty. You know, very few people beat him in pretty fashion. So job done for him. And uh, he'll be hoping that the uh, the matchmakers remember the name when it comes to booking a main event in London in March. Great fight card, Sandy. So many good fights on this card. Uh, too many to run through, but big wins for Ricky Simone, Matthias Gamrot, former KSW champion, Cub Swanson with a superb uh, spinning wheel kick finish of Darren Elkins. And uh, the prelims were just finishes almost all the way. Charles Jordan versus Andre Earl went to a decision. Everything else was a finish. Good night. $50,000 bonuses went to Amanda Lemos and Angela Hill on the on the main card. That went to a split decision. I thought Angela Hill won that fight. Amanda Lemos started really strong, but Hill, I thought, took over as the fight went on. But $50,000 bonus will soften the blow there. Cub Swanson got himself a bonus. And Melissa Gatto, who got a third-round uh, body kick knockout of Sajara Eubanks, she also picked up a $50,000 bonus. Anything else on that card that sort of leapt out at you, Sandu? Any more uh, notables from there? Well, I think you've I think run through the, the majority. I have to say, I am... Really happy for Gerald Mircher. I mean, you know, he defeated Dustin Stoltzfus via third round rear naked choke submission. And not too long ago, Simon, when he got knocked out by Hamzat Shemaev, September of 2020, and it was a back-to-back result of defeat for him where he lost to Ian Heinish um, earlier that year and he lose to Hamzat Shemaev. It wasn't looking good, was it? It really wasn't. And all of a sudden, 2021, three wins in a row, all by submission, all by a variation of a choke. One being the guillotine choke, and then two by a rear naked choke. So, talk about bouncing back and you know really earning your spot on the UFC roster. So, yeah, a tip of the cap to Gerald Mischer. Yeah, as you say, three on the spin. That's twenty six subs from thirty four wins. He is an absolute beast on the ground. There's so many, so many little stories on that on that fight night card. Really, really good card to round out twenty twenty one. And we had a big fight card before we wrap up, Sander, in uh, in Glavice, Poland, where uh, KSW hosted what was probably the biggest fight they could possibly put on. Middleweight champion Mamed Kaladov, world to weight champion Roberto Soldic, for for Kaladov's middleweight belt. It was a barn burner. It was absolutely wild. Roberto Soldic doesn't just knock him out; absolutely busts him up. He left him with a broken jaw, a broken nose. And uh, there was a pretty graphic piece of video that you might have seen on social media where Kaladov's lying on the mat being tended to by, by, uh, by the medics. And the camera started looking down at him. And he's there, he's just breathing. And as, as, as the camera's looking at him, his nose basically just explodes. It's just blood everywhere. It's just what you wanted when you're having your tea, which I was at the time. But um, it was, it was a, a mad night, a great, great fight. Uh, Kaladov, obviously a legend. In, uh, in in Poland, considered to be one of the best world-class fighters to have had the sort of career that he's had, not to actually go and take the money from the big American promotions. He's had the chance to fight in the UFC, 
I'm sure Bellator would have happily have had him as well. And uh, he stayed stayed with KSW. He's two-time middleweight champion, and uh, but he got he got badly badly knocked out on Saturday night by Roberto Soldich, who uh, is an absolute savage. But a uh, great great fight to end the European season, if you like. And uh, yeah, that pretty much that plus the UFC later in the evening so kind of brought the curtain down on. On my working year, 2021, I was working both of those events, covering both of those fighters only at, uh, at the weekend. And uh, that was it. So I can kind of put my feet up a little bit and enjoy enjoy Christmas as well. But two two really good fight cards to round out the year, Sandu. Yeah, and look, you know, I think everyone will enjoy the breather because we've got some incredible fights coming up already slated uh, for the first quarter of, of 2022. But yeah, I mean... What more could you want, Simon? We've got a UFC card with so many finishes. You know, we've got a comeback story lining up now with Derek Lewis probably going to be, you know, on his on his way to maybe fighting for a title again at some point in 2022, especially if he can get maybe just one more result like the one he had over the weekend. We've got a, a, you know, a story with Bilal Mohammed who has really started to kind of make a bit of a name for himself. You know, he's 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 been in some high-profile fights in 2022. And obviously, he's got the, the desk analyst gig with ESPN State. So, so we had everything that the UFC had to offer. We had everything that the best of European MMA had to offer. And then we got the freak show. We got, you know, you know, maybe calling it a freak show is um, is something of the past. Maybe that's something that I'm going to retire in 2021. Because let's face it, at the end of the day, Showtime are behind it. It's a major, major broadcaster. I've got a history of, of being involved in combat sports. You've got someone that's only... You know, in his what fifth professional boxing bout over the weekend, and, and most pro boxers, if you look at their records and you look at the, the opponents and their opponents' records, they weren't great either. The first ten fights or so for any pro boxer is just there to get the experience. It's usually there to pad the record and and build some momentum and make a name for yourself. And man, listen, I think what Jake Paul is doing is he's a bit of a disruptor, and I think. The fact that he's a free agent heading into 2022 is absolutely bizarre because who wouldn't want to be involved with Jake Paul right now? He is super, super hot. So, yeah, we've got a bit of everything. Um, you know, right now, I feel like combat sports in general is probably the healthiest it's ever been, both in MMA, boxing, and even the trillers of the world with their triad events and what have you. There's something there for everyone. And it's, it's interesting times, to say the least. And I, I have to say, I just like the fact that there are options galore, more so than ever for, for fighters, for fans. It, it, you know, these promotions and the promoters are working as hard as they can to get our attention, to get our eyeballs on their product. And that's never a bad thing. No, absolutely. And it's only going to get bigger and better in 2022, I think. You know, they've, we've had this first year sort of post pandemic I say post pandemic we're still in the pandemic aren't we but it feels like this was the year that sport kind of sussed it out this is how we're going to move forward during these covid times and i think 2022 i think they're just going to build on on what they've learned this year and you know we've seen how the year's ended it's ended in in fine style big events great fights brilliant performances events doing good numbers i think that's going to be even more so in 2022 so Big year coming up, Sandu, and uh, we'll, we'll have a little look back at 2021 as we round out the year um, in our in our next show here on the Brit Pack before we launch into the new year. But uh, 
it's been a good one. And uh, for everybody out there listening, thank you so much for, for being a part of what we do. We really appreciate everybody who downloads and listens to us during the course of, of their week. Um, if you can support us by doing one of these few things that Sandy's going to lay out to you, please do. Hop aboard, be a part of what we're doing in 2022. We're going to take this thing a little bit further, a little bit higher up uh, into the new year and try some new stuff. So, uh, yeah, here's how you can get involved. Yeah, the BritPackMMA.com is the website. That's the BritPackMMA.com. That's the website. From there, our social media handles are, very, are available. You can follow me. You can follow Simon. Our Twitter handle is the BritPackMMA. And for those of you that do listen to us on Apple Podcasts, do us a favor, rate and review us. It honestly goes a long way. You can you can review, you can leave a comment, you can drop a question, anything you want. But just doing that helps us get found by potential new listeners. That's how the Apple Podcast algorithm works. So if you can do that, like Simon said, that would be much appreciated. It's been a big year, 2021, and we will look back at it on next week's show. Don't know whether we're going to put it out on Monday yet. Me and Sandy need to have a little sit down, get our heads together and work out how we can sort our recording schedule out over this busy holiday period. But enjoy the holidays, everybody. If you're doing Christmas, enjoy your Christmas. If not, hope you enjoy the time with your family. Enjoy the weeks off from MMA. And uh, we'll be back in a week's time to pick through the rest of the year. Why don't we start 2022 and it all kicks off again. Have fun over the next few weeks, guys, and we'll speak soon.